This is the Holistic Heart Podcast, the place for all things therapy and mental health. We know navigating the human experience can be as challenging as it is beautiful. So we wanted to create a space where we can dive deep into self-exploration, normalize the struggle, and hold space for hard topics and conversations. We are so excited to have you join us on this journey. Hello and welcome to the Holistic Heart Podcast. I'm Sammy. I'm Kristen. And we are here to explore a topic that um, I think comes up quite often, um, especially lately. I think with the start of the year and shifting into new energy and everything, we can start to do a lot of reflecting, which I know that we've talked about in the past. Um, so I would love to ask you some questions. Kristen is our resident expert all around shadow work. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. The lovely shadow. Um, And I think to start off with, because um, Kristen and I have had many a conversation about the shadow, but I know before those conversations, I wasn't really completely sure exactly what the shadow was either. And if you scroll through social media or, you know, you're reading all of these different self-help books, things like that, it comes up a lot. And I think there can be a lot of different perceptions around what the shadow is. So I thought it would be kind of helpful to just start off with like, what is the shadow? What does that even mean? Yeah. And there's like, so um, as with all things, there's so many like nuances to it. Right. But I think the most simplified definition, I think often the shadow is misperceived as like bad, right? Like I think um, we have sort of a a bias toward like shadow darkness unknown is bad. Um, And really from a psychological perspective and from a Jungian psychology perspective, um, it's not that way at all. So what we're looking at with the shadow is really the unknown, unrecognized and sometimes unwanted Mm. parts of yourself. Right. Like, and so um, it sometimes those are things like, yeah, they're not, they're not the things that you love about yourself, but other times, um, they're things that are hard to accept yourself as like seeing yourself as, um, and they might be, you know, sort of objectively considered quote unquote, a good thing. Like maybe you don't have a, it's hard to see yourself in your brilliance or in your genius. Right. And like, mm-hmm. that would also be, if you're not allowing yourself to step fully in to your brilliance, that would also be considered part of your shadow. Sure. So it sounds like it encompasses a lot of things, but it it tends to be some of whatever it is presenting as on the outside, those things that you kind of want to like push to the side, don't want to necessarily open up and deal with so much. Totally. And I think um, one way of thinking of it is thinking of how the shadow develops. So Hmm. we all have like a self-concept. We um, have things that we like to think of ourselves as. So usually, you know, if I asked you to describe yourself in five words, you would be able to do that to some degree. And maybe you have Mm -hmm. a sense of yourself as, I'm just going to use some generic examples. Maybe you think that you're... um, smart. Maybe you think you're kind. Maybe uh, you would define yourself as um, nurturing or loving. And so when we have those kinds of self-concept words, um, Mm -hmm. they're they're binary, right? Like, so there's an opposing pole. So if I'm kind and I see myself as kind and it's important to me to be seen as kind, what does that mean that I'm not allowed to be? 
And mm. those things go in my shadow. Oof. Anything that doesn't align with the self-concept, the self-image, the sort of persona from Jungian psychology, the mask that we wear, the outward facing, mm-hmm. um, what, do, what does that exclude? And those are the things that go into our shadow. Mm. When I hear, I think you said this a little bit earlier too, but when you hear the shadow, it's like you're thinking of that like, dark, bad, evil, like we don't want to look at that side. And like you're saying, it's such a binary way of looking at things, the black and white or the, um, it it makes me think of how important the both and looking at the both and, and that we live in the society that like we're taught to kind of place things into boxes and identifiers and everything. And this is something where it can be so challenging to look at these things that whether we've been conditioned from external perspectives or our own internal perspective, like you're talking about that narrative, um, it's it can be scary to look at those things. Oh yeah, absolutely. We feel very, we get very attached to who we see ourselves as. We have a story about ourselves and it's hard to challenge that story sometimes, even when it would be, you know, perceived maybe objectively as like a positive challenge, right? Like, oh, I'm more powerful than I thought. Um, you know, I have more, um, I have more talent in this than I gave myself credit for, right? Those things, even though they're sort of um, objectively quote unquote good, they can still be really hard to step into and accept and acknowledge when we are so committed to like how we know ourselves and, and how we define ourselves. I think Kristen's trying to like also talk to me specifically around this. She she knows where my shadow is. (laughs) Feeling a little called out. (laughs) But yes, no, I totally resonate with that. Absolutely. And I think it's an important way to look at that too, because we can think of it's like, when you're looking at that from like the empowerment, like it's not bad, but it can also be scary looking at like, where is my own power? Especially if let's say in your upbringing or past experiences, you've been taught and what is a part of your narrative that that's not a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like one of the examples I gave in the beginning was if you see yourself as kind, what does that mean that you can't be? Uh, often when it, like in the shadow work groups and intensive that intensives that I've run, uh, and I know you've co-facilitated some of those, Sammy, so I know you have a uh, reference for this, but a lot of times what I hear um, when I see myself as kind, one of the things that often people say they're not allowed to be is selfish, right? And mm. I think... Um, that comes up a lot as like a, a dual, a duality, um, as feeling seemingly contradictory. And I think part of a big part of shadow work is recognizing that both that both and that we always talk about mm-hmm. and the co-occurrence of like these actually not only um, do they co-occur, but they can be the same thing. Being mm-hmm. selfish can be the kindest thing that I do. Right. And like, that's like, oh shit. Right. Like, like really like oh, against everything I've learned my whole life. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I love that seemingly contradictory mm-hmm. and we're often taught or have this perception that we can't be holding opposites and can't be holding these contradictory things. And, and like you said, it is seemingly, is it really contradictory to begin with? Mm-hmm. Totally. And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about shadow work It is mm-hmm. to me. And I know last episode we talked about um, holism in relation to mental health. And to me, this is part of psychological holism is allowing yourself 
to be all the things that you are and know that there's a place for all of it and nothing is Mm -hmm. actually contradictory. It's all relative, right? So it's like in relation to this particular event or person or circumstance or internal, um, experience, then what makes the most sense for me is to step into this aspect of myself. And at another time, I might be further down that spectrum and expressing a different aspect of, you know, sort of say from those poles, right? Like maybe I'm closer to nurturing kindness in one uh, setting and environment. And maybe at another time when I'm really tapped out and burnt out, what I, what kindness looks like might be a little bit closer to what someone else might consider selfish. And that's okay. That I'm allowed to express on all in all the different ways along that spectrum. Um, and that is relative to what's coming up as opposed to a right or wrong. Yeah. Well, and I think that's where like the, the fact that we call this the shadow self is so profound in the (laughs) experiencing things very imagistically, as you were saying that I'm imagining, um, when something is in shadow, it doesn't mean that it's not there or it's not supposed to be there. It's just that the light's not being shed on it. At the same time, when the light's not on, it can be scary. You don't know exactly what it looks like. You don't know what the expectations are. And yet, when you begin to shed this light on it, it's not changing it necessarily, but it's changing your perspective and your experience of it. Mm-hmm. And I always feel always is kind of a strong term, but I really do most of the time um, feel like when we look at something directly, it is almost always less intense or less scary than we anticipated that it would be. So I think there's like anticipatory anxiety, anticipatory fear. Um, Like we don't want to feel sad. We don't want to feel pain. But when we are in that experience, I often find that it's not as it's, it doesn't feel good, but it's not as unmanageable or terrifying as it sort of felt like it would be when mm-hmm. we're looking like, oh gosh, into the unknown of it, right? When you're actually yeah. in the direct experience, it's like, well, I'm sitting in the suck and that's not great, but it right. also is that that like terror that can sometimes accompany what is this going to be like? And so right. that's another great reason to do shadow work, to start to assimilate and integrate and look at some of those things so that they're less powerful, so that they um, are less scary. And that's part of the motivation also from a Jungian Mm -hmm. perspective is that um, the psyche is, Jung saw the psyche as compensatory, right? So Mm -hmm. whenever you're not expressing consciously, you will express unconsciously was his sort of theory, right? Like that the shadow will come to you in your experience as if you refuse to consciously integrate it, then it will come to you um, sort of in your outward environment so that you can still experience those aspects of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think you're getting to what my next question is and and what I often hear in terms of when I talk to um, clients about shadow work and the importance of it, we're talking and we're speaking to both Kristen and I have perhaps a little bit of experience around this is like, (laughs) yeah, it's terrifying. It's scary. And it can be some, it it takes time. And you know, when you're doing this, it's like, okay, there's like some stuff that's going to be trudged up. Mm -hmm. What's the point? Why do I do this? And I know you already kind of spoke to answering that question, but I hear that in a lot of different ways come up. So I thought it could be helpful to kind of explore, like, what's the point? Why do we do shadow work and what can come from that? Yeah, I think the biggest reason for doing shadow work 
is to be able to stand in your wholeness, to have Mm. full range of expression and full access to your potential. I think whenever we sort of cut something uh, in half or in parts and we leave parts out, we are limiting ourselves. Um, And I see so many um, individuals, myself included, I'm by no means exempt from this, cutting off and limiting their expression because they're only allowed in their minds, they're only allowed Mm -hmm. to act in accordance with certain external perceptions or certain um, identity roles that they Mm -hmm. have um, sort of anchored in as who they are, right? Their personality Mm -hmm. traits, quote unquote, right? Um, And that And when we start to see ourselves in one way and exclude the other aspects of expression, like I'm not, I don't see myself as a particularly angry person. I wouldn't use that word to define me. But if I said, I'm never allowed to be angry, anger Mm -hmm. is bad. And I pushed anger into the shadow then that cuts off a whole range of expression for me. And that's, Mm -hmm. I use anger because that's a common one um, that people feel like not super comfortable with. I think sometimes expressing where they've got messages about uh, the expression of anger and and what's appropriate and not appropriate around it, but not having access to anger um, has so many uh, consequences for us, right? Like, so just as an example, if I didn't have access to anger, if I didn't let myself express anger, I would have a hard time setting boundaries. I would have a hard time knowing when my boundaries were crossed. I would have a hard time with self-care, self-advocacy, if there was going to be any pushback on that, right? Like, And so um, we see that when we take aspects of self and we put them away and we say, we're not allowed to touch this, how that slowly sort of closes, like the image that I'm getting in my mind is like uh, like a terrifying image because I'm claustrophobic, but like the walls <laughs> like closing in. Yeah. And Space that we get to occupy in the world gets smaller and smaller when we uh, sort of put these parts of self away. Yeah. Well, and I, what I'm hearing there too is like the stuckness that, of course, if these walls are closing in, you feel like you there's nowhere to move, there's nowhere to go. But especially when someone is on their journey and they've been putting in so much work, I find that it can often be this collective experience of getting to a certain point and feeling stuck. I've done all of this work. Why can't I get past something? And like, I think what you really beautifully illustrated in the example of using anger is it's like, we can do all of this other work, but if we're not going to look at what's in that shadow and explore that, it can be a roadblock. Yeah. Yeah. And often an unconscious, right? So the shadow sits in the sort of subconscious, right? There's like a collective unconscious, that deeply unconscious, um, and some aspects of the shadow, to be honest, are totally unconscious. We don't know about them at all, Mm. but a lot of them are subconscious in the sense of like, we could access them if we really intentionally turn to look and and try to understand, but they're sort Mm. of just under, right underneath our conscious awareness. So a lot of times, um, I think, Sammy, what you're saying of like, what is that block? Or like, I just feel like I've done a lot of work, but I get, can't seem to get past. And that's where I think shadow work can be so beneficial in helping people access. There's like prompts, right? Like, so we start with the, and, uh, I think the shadow is such a, an apt analogy or such an apt name for mm-hmm. what, the concept we're describing because we start with what's conscious. So for example, I see myself as kind, right? That was the conscious perception. And then we look toward from the conscious, what's the unconscious shadow that it casts. 
Mm. Right. Like, so when kind means I'm not what we look back behind kind, you're not what all of these things and those things, those things that you're not allowed to be are usually less conscious. Like we're not necessarily consciously thinking, oh, I'm not allowed to do that because I'm kind. Mm -hmm. It's more of like an uh, a subconscious reality of like checking yourself, like this doesn't, isn't congruent with my self-concept. So I'm not going to do it. Um, But that doesn't happen necessarily as an intellectual cognitive conscious process. It's more Mm -hmm. like a default behavior that sort of kicks in like, Oh, nope, that doesn't, that doesn't fit. Right. Yeah. When those default behaviors are things like, to me, that's a huge part of um, initially exploring the shadow too, is understanding what those are, where they are. It's like you said, casting the light and that if you think of casting a light, I always think of like when you see the sun coming out of the clouds and you can like see the rays of sun, it's, it's really, it's shining. There's a a lot of space that it's shining from, right. And, um, across. And so allowing yourself to say, it's not going to like lead to one super, um, explicit answer or, you know, I don't know, something concrete, let's say, like going back to the, the example of something binary, it's not necessarily going to be concrete, but it's going to be something where you can start to unravel maybe where it came from and deepen your understanding of why it's there. So my, I think what can often um, come up around this is like, do I have to change this? How do I change this? So I think we've, we've really covered like what shadow work is, but like, how do you go about doing that? What does that entail? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's so funny. I hear that. I like see that all over social media. It's like everyone's saying to do so like shadow work. Like how, how do you do it? Um, And I do think a lot of people talk about the concept, but don't necessarily go into the logistics of it. Um, And, and because it is an accessing of subconscious contents in a lot of cases, I do think it's beneficial to be guided in some way, whether that's prompts from a a journal, prompts from a course, prompts from, um, you know, anywhere you can, I mean, you could Google shadow work journal prompts and probably come Mm -hmm. up with a bunch. I don't know how good of a quality you'll get from a a random Google search, but, but I do think to some degree, it's a guided process because if you sort of knew how to access it, it would not be unconscious, right? Like, so, so I think though, that being said, once you have practice with accessing subconscious contents and you see the themes of like, what am I looking toward? Like I'm offering you all right now, I define myself as this. What does that mean? I'm not allowed to be, you could work with that prompt for months, for years, (laughs) like just uncovering like, well, what are those things? What, how would I define myself? And what are those things that then, um, I'm, I'm eliminating from my range of expression unconsciously Mm. as a result. And, and then inviting those things back in or practicing inviting Mm. those things back in. Of course, I'm biased here. I would recommend working with a professional on it. I think Mm. that, um, you know, and and talking to your therapist, if you're working with one, whether they have um, any background in Jungian psychology, if they have an understanding of shadow work or not, I think you could still do this work together really intentionally, Mm -hmm. maybe finding some kind of resource that um, you could, you know, go through like a workbook or something together. I don't actually know of any workbooks um, 
off the top of my head that do shadow work specifically, though it's something that I want to make someday. I, I want to say, oh, hmm. <laughs> um, I wonder what I, we could do about that, Kristen. <laughs> I do have tons of uh, book books, so maybe we can talk about that at the end. Yeah, um, yeah. On the shadow, but I think bringing resources in and working with an other because reflection is an important part of the process. That's what I absolutely. Well, and what I'm hearing too, and I think it's like so important is if you're working with a therapist and even if you're not, I think this is something that humans do. We, we do reflect and there's also this like recognizing themes and the practice of pattern recognition. So to like simplify the initial step, it's just identifying those things and then deepening and expanding your awareness. And I really like that you just normalize, like this could take weeks or months or years. Mm -hmm. And likely it will. There's not necessarily a place where, um, if you're a client of mine, you've probably heard me say this a million times. Like, it's not like this is this outcome that we're working towards and that we can land places, but that it's this continuous journey. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always have to be this uphill or downhill, however you like to look at that um, journey, but it's like allowing yourself to recognize that it's the process versus the product versus the outcome, which makes me think of expressive arts. And I love so much, I think for Kristen and I, both her expertise in the shadow and mine and expressive arts, they really lend... Um, a lot of support to each other because when you're working with your expression, there's a, you're working with your unconscious a lot, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so I think the connection of that, so to me, like an added piece of that, why journaling prompts can be so helpful or even expanding on a journaling prompt and responding to, to a written journaling prompt through drawing a picture or creating a sound or something like that can be helpful because some of these things you may not and likely may not have the answer to right away. And that doesn't mean you're doing it wrong Mm -hmm. because I think that's can uh, probably another piece of your shadow coming up (laughs) is that that, like, I'm not doing it right. Or, you know, what's, what's wrong here. And it's that recognition of if it's in the shadow, it's probably going to feel familiar and weird. And, Mm -hmm. and, and like you said before, like maybe you don't want to explore it, but it's something to help to lean into and that you don't have to like cannonball into the deep end of right away either. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's such a good point of it can feel like uncomfortable um, because what feels comfortable is often familiar, is the familiar. Mm -hmm. What feels familiar feels comfortable. That doesn't necessarily mean it's healthy just because it feels comfortable and it's familiar. Mm -hmm. For many of us, it means quite the opposite, actually. And so often when we're feeling discomfort, it's a good idea to check in with openness and curiosity and see, like, is this, does this feel like it's not right or does it feel like it's not familiar because those are sort of two very very different experiences there's a gut check of like this is not right for me I need to put this down which is totally fair and should always be respected and then there's also that like I just don't I don't feel it doesn't feel right necessarily, but it doesn't feel bad or wrong. It just feels weird and new, right? Like, and and giving yourself the opportunity to discern and taking then enough time in that discomfort to ask yourself to practice that uncomfortable thing enough times to let it become Mm -hmm. a little bit more familiar so that you can get a little bit better of a gauge on whether or not this is actually um, something that will feel good, right? Because when it's new, all you notice is the new uh, until it's not so new. And then you can sort of assess it for what it really is and how it really feels. 
Yes. I love that. I think it's really important to outline that like what feels new and different can certainly create discomfort because it's just unknown, but that that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad, but how many of us have been conditioned to look at that as bad. So we immediately like cut ourselves off from it. Right away. And it's that discernment. Right. And it's like, like I was saying, it's like, I like to use the example of like a swimming pool on a hot day. And it's like, if the water's super cold and it's like, oh, it's going to be so refreshing. But if, if you go in and it's ice cold, what does your body do? It's like, whoa, get me out of here. Mm-hmm. But if you kind of go into the shallow end and allow yourself to ease in, eventually the thing that created this like aversive physiological response in your body is actually the very thing that's creating the um, refreshment. Mm-hmm. So allowing yourself to recognize that it's like, we don't have to immerse ourselves in that discomfort, but just to kind of lean in to like dip your toes in because eventually we can start to recognize like, Oh, maybe there is safety. And that just comfort doesn't always equate to a lack of safety there. But for a lot of us, we don't have that experience or that hasn't been conditioned or modeled for us. So it's creating those corrective experiences for ourselves. Really, really valuable to like think of and remember that aspect of things, because I think we can so often, um, and that absolutely, as you said, could be like (laughs) some shadow stuff, right? Like, um, Mm -hmm. but we, so many of us, and I would definitely include myself here, can feel all or nothing with things. And that's part of that binary is part of what we're trying to uh, challenge with shadow work. Right. But that sense of like, so if I'm doing it, I'm diving like headlong in I'm you know like I'm 1000% committed I'm going to the deepest depths and like beautiful commitment um honor you for that and also like knowing that that may not actually be not only uh not necessary but not helpful that in that way like I'm thinking of the very uh you know uh, appropriate example that you just gave with the (laughs) water and the cold in that case if you were to jump right into cold water you probably would just get out and not get back in yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right? Like it's like, well, I had such an averse response to that <laughs> that like I'm not going anywhere near that water. And it's and a that, full body experience then too. Absolutely. And that I think can happen. So very I think that's such a great example because that can happen so often with inner work, um, which mm-hmm. is what we're really talking about with shadow work, right? Is inner work. So and trying to go feeling like you can just like never go far enough and that you need to go all the way in all the time. And we're not we're not meant to live in the unconscious. We have an ego. The ego gets vilified quite a bit, um, but we have an ego for a reason. It's constructive. It's important. Uh, it's how we navigate 3D reality and diving deep into like your range of expression and your totality as a human is so important and valuable. And so is like sitting outside and letting the sun hit your face or blowing bubbles or like doing something that doesn't take at all the level of like inner depth and emotional reservoir that, you know, shadow work or other um, work could could take. And that Mm -hmm. all of those, again, that feeling, so it's the extremes. I think that's what I love so much about shadow work is Uh, the integration of extremes of opposites and of looking at how they balance each other and how we can be more in balance ourselves if we allow ourselves that full range of expression, including the the extremes, but not limited to them. I think so often we bounce from like one extreme and then we get compensatory bounce to the equal and opposite extreme. And we forget that there is so much or we, we shut away one extreme altogether and we have such a limited range of expression as a result. And we forget about all of these nuanced expressions in between those two extremes. And that's yeah. so much of where life 
really actually happens and is really valuable. Um, You know, like laughing with someone you love is as deep healing work as, you know, really powerful therapy session is. Mm -hmm. And it's important to allow ourselves to be in all the different places that we can be. Yes, absolutely. I love all of that. Um, I think that you've shared so many great little tidbits with us. Um, I also know that you have a plethora of resources um, and books and different things and that you had mentioned earlier too. So I don't know if there's any that come from like off the top of your head that you'd want to share that could be helpful for our listeners. I know that is the hard part for me is like right off the top (laughs) of my head. Um, But I will say one of my absolute favorites that I think is uh, like a friendly resource for like a beginner friendly resource and accessible is Inner Work by Robert Johnson. Mm -hmm. Um, It is actually not shadow specific, but it is... um, about like sort of internal practices, like ways Mm -hmm. to access um, some of those prompts that we were talking about, ways to access the self um, internally and ways to work with yourself. So I think that's a really valuable one. Robert Johnson also has uh, another book about the shadow specifically. I think it's called Owning Your Shadow. Mm -hmm. Um, I would recommend both. They're really small, uh, sort of easy to read books. from an academic standpoint, I really like meeting the shadow. Uh, it's a little bit more textbooky, um, but deep with the concepts and really, really valuable. Um, mm-hmm. It's a collection of editorial works, so it's not one author. Um, and I have also recommended the light, no, the dark side of the light chasers by Deborah mm-hmm. Ford, Debbie Ford. Okay. Um, that one. I don't love everything about the way that she frames things to be totally transparent, but I do think uh, it's a very accessible entry level. I, I, I guess my caveat would be, I feel like she does a little bit of a disservice to the actual true Jungian definition of the shadow and, and psychological work around it. It's definitely not a psychology based approach to the shadow, mm-hmm. um, but it is like an accessible entry level place of just like, what the heck are we even talking about? And how might I start looking at this? Um, I think if, if the title resonates and you look at it and you're like, yeah, I'll try it out. Um, <laughs> it's not my favorite, but I think it, it, it does the job. Great. Yeah. Well, and I think um, I appreciate you sharing resources that kind of span where your interest may be and like how you want to go about learning about the shadow and the accessibility there is great. So thank you for sharing those. Um, yeah. So is there anything else that you want to add? I think that we've done a really great job of covering the shadow today. <laughs> yeah, I think we did cover everything that feels really, you know, like stands out to me. Uh, thank you for your amazing questions and helping me get yeah. to all, <laughs> all of the important things. And I think the only other thing I would offer is, um, if people are interested, if, if anyone has specific questions that we didn't get to that mm-hmm. this prompted, uh, feel free to reach out to us because, you know, we can always do a part two or, um, you know, it's helpful for us always to know if we're missing something that you really want to mm-hmm. know about, then we definitely want to get you the answer. So that would be my only, my last thought. Yeah. Oh yeah. We're definitely open to feedback and questions to help guide us. We want to make sure that we're um, presenting content that is helpful and meeting you where you are. So thank you. Yep. Oh, sorry. No, that's okay. I think sometimes when you and I say we are so in it that Mm -hmm. um, we might not think of questions that if you have no context for the shadow, um, like might come up for you. So I think that too, like just putting that out there of like, if we missed something and we started in the middle by accident, um, then let us know. 
Definitely. Yes. Well, thank you, Kristen. And thank you all for listening. And we will, I was going to say, see you again, but we will connect with you again soon. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Bye.